Bill Haston, Tulsa World. I'm joined by a longtime friend, former Sooner quarterback, uh, and 22-year sports director at KWTV. 22 years, Dean, at KWTV, uh, Dean Blevins. And we're going to, in a rapid-fire manner here, we're going to touch on several topics, and we'll jump right into it. Thank you, Dean. Uh, you bet. Uh, you bet, Bill. Happy to do it. Thank you so much. So uh, the the talk of the state for the last few days has been what's going on with Oklahoma State and the transfer portal and uh, last, you know, whatever it is, creeping up on 20 guys having jumped into the portal. Do you see this as a crisis for Mike Gundy or do you think it's just a rough patch as these programs are kind of learning their way in the portal era of college football? Well, I think we're going to find out. Uh, I don't think we know right now. I think uh, there should be concern that it's more than a rough patch. Um, I really hated to see the acrimony between Spencer Sanders and Mike Gundy because Mike is always smart enough to know you've got to have a great quarterback to win games. And Spencer, for the last two years, has been, for the most part, the best quarterback in the league. And the drop-off at this point from Spencer to whomever uh, is substantial. And so um, say you got an eight and four team uh, with a drop-off in quarterback that much, you could have a, a, a five and uh, whatever that is. Uh, Flip, five yeah, right. Nine. Yeah, yeah. So you could, you could have, you could, you could fall to that. So that's disaster. Um, that's, that's the first thing. I thought Brent Venables and Mike Gundy aired a few months ago when they were asked, maybe it was about a month ago when they were asked about the transfer portal and kind of blew it off, kind of made comments that said, ah, you know, we'll kind of get to that when we will. You know, the, the big boys don't don't play that way. They take it very, very, very seriously. So I think Mike's in catch-up mode right now. Um, I can't get a handle on it. I mean, is this a, a program that's a top 15 program that uh, – win some big games and, and, you know, just has their act together? Or is this a program just barely hanging on? I guess that's your question. And right now it's, it's pretty troubling because, you know, the quarterback issue is substantial. The wide, rec wide receiver situation is just as bad. And then there seems to be issues with communication and relationships with your offensive coordinator. So it, it's kind of all – all up in the air right now. It does not feel good whatsoever. So um, I would say it's in between your two propositions. But um, if they don't get a handle on it real quick and find a veteran quarterback to calm the waters, it could uh, be the beginning of the end for Mike. I think, Dean, if you ask, if you're, if you're having a cocktail with all of the major college coaches in the country, they'll tell you they don't like the portal. But it's just you can't say it. You cannot publicly state any issues that you might have with the portal because it ain't going away. It may get adjusted eventually. They may they may revise it uh, so that it's not such a free for all. But for the time being, you got to embrace it, at least publicly embrace it. And I think that's where Mike might have made a mistake. And, you know, I mean, Nick Saban starting to speak out about it more. Uh, that could result in, in more rapid movement to get more regulation on the portal than we see. But, but for the time being, it is what it is and you've got to live with it and you've got to, you've got to manage it. So, but 
do you agree with me? It feels to me like 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 because we don't we can't sit here today and have any clue who's the opening day starter for Oklahoma State at quarterback, right? And you don't know who he's going to throw to for that matter. So <laughs> wow. Okay, so at OU, nobody likes six, six and seven, but you do have a veteran quarterback returning with Gabriel, and you have Jackson Arnold moving in or moving to Norman in just a few days, if he's not there already, um, as a five-star freshman stud. Uh, so um, don't you feel like like OU kind of has it about as good as you can have it in this time, in this day and age of college football at the quarterback position? A veteran guy you feel good about and a young guy you feel great about. Well, I think that sounds really good, but – Dylan Gabriel, who is a delightful young man, is not going to win a national championship. I know he's in the business of competing for national championships. Is he sure. good enough to win a Big 12 championship? Uh, he'll have to play better than he did this year and have some surrounding people play better. Uh, is he good enough to even get in that game? I mean, so my, my point to you is, yeah, Jackson Arnold is all that stuff. He's not ready to come in and take over, and, and rarely do you see a Jamel Holloway do what he did. Uh, and trust me, this 2023 team is not comparable to that 1985 team that Jamel jumped in and uh, ran off to a championship with. Um, so I think that um, they don't have the depth. It's just those two. But they, it does it does look really good. But your upside is simply limited because of the um, lack of special ability of Dylan Gabriel. Dylan is a 5'10 kid who is very smart, does a lot of good things, but he's not com comparing him to that last slew of players and the players still alive, even in, in the championship game uh, that we're going to, you know, the national championship game. Uh, he's a guy that uh, doesn't match up in most areas. So um, I think they're in a much, much better place than uh, Oklahoma State and than a lot of people. But to win, I mean, Bill, you got to win at minimum 10 of 12 down there to even be considered just to have a good year. Right. So is he, good or, is he good enough to lead them to 10 or 11 regular season wins? Um, I don't think so. Even I'm thinking – more in terms of thinking about jumping from six to seven to jumping into the playoff, I'm thinking the next logical step or the next reasonable step would be to get back to nine and ten wins. And I just think, you know, yeah. if the defensive side of the program has a really good offseason uh, and, and you see improvement on that side and that the, the, at least you you at least, you know, what you're dealing with, whereas yeah. at Oklahoma State. I, the guy who I'm, I'm, I'm really believing probably the opening night starter is a guy you and I have never heard of or wouldn't even know to think about right now. So, right. yeah. And, and Mike Gundy's never really been in that kind of position before. Not really. No, I mean, no, 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 because he's a competitor, number one, and he played the position. So he knows the importance of that position. So you look uh, through the history of the program and they've been really good. It's, it's a treacherous situation. They find them in and one that was not necessary. And is it all because of personality? Is, is it simply because of not getting along? If it is that that's a shame. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a real, real shame. I will add one more thing about the Oklahoma 
situation. Um, I admire what Brent and his guys are doing. Um, uh, however, no doubt, no, no defensive lineman. I mean, Oklahoma is in a bad situation in that they can't seem to close the door on deals with guys like Hicks. And I don't mean deals in terms of finances, although the NFL is a major issue with them. But until Oklahoma can line up with a couple of Tommy Harris's and just just solid, you know, OSU's just got a bunch of solid guys. Until they can line up with enough of those solid guys to even be in a playoff uh, they're spinning their wheel, wheels, so no, they've right. got to get that accomplished. Just in the last three drafts, Dean, Georgia's had uh, – I counted this up yesterday – 31 guys drafted overall and uh, 10 in the first round. And in the so same three drafts, o- Oklahoma had 16 guys drafted and hasn't – and OU has not had a first-round guy taken since CeeDee Lamb and Kenneth Murray in 2020. So right. that, that that part of the of the program, you've got to you've got to produce more NFL type guys. I mean that you look at Alabama and Georgia's recent draft history, and of course, and Ohio State, and then you say, well, of course they're in the playoff every year uh, because they're playing with a bunch of NFL guys. OU has to get more NFL guys. Well, I talked to Coach Switzer uh, a few days ago, and uh, he was pleased with with hearing about recruiting and who they signed and all that. But he's the first one to come back and say what we know: quarterback you got to have and the down lineman. Without right. those two positions filled, you're yeah. you're spinning your you're spinning your wheels. Right. So tonight, does TCU win by four touchdowns or by two touchdowns? <laughs> you know, I had a friend just send me the uh, comparative. Uh, five-star, four-star, three-star of those schools uh, with their rosters, and it's it's uh, shocking. Uh, I can't pull it up because I'm here with you on the phone, but it's it's just shocking. It would be great for the the people that argue that the five that, that talking five stars is is a wasted uh, exercise, but it's not a wasted exercise. And so uh, I uh, I have trouble believing that they're going to to be able to hang with a really physical physical Georgia team that is so comfortable in this environment, comfortable with who they are. And I tell you what, Bill, um, I've got a couple of sources who are best friend types with Kirby Smart, and they've told me about him for a long time. But I tell you what, if you study this guy and you watch everything you can see with him, particularly him relating with his players, he's a special cat. Wow. So you got a combination there of all that talent there in the SEC, those guys rolling Kirby on top of his game and a relatively young guy. 47. Um, they're going to be tough. To, they're going to be tough to, to slow down. Um, I, I, I would love to see TCU do it, but uh, uh, I, I have trouble seeing them hang with them. Uh, real quick, because you do have a history with the Dallas Cowboys having uh, – hosted those shows there in the mid nineties for coach Switzer and Jerry, but um, Cowboys had a, an embarrassment of a final game yesterday, just a, just a travesty uh, of a terrible performance at Washington. So they limp into the playoffs. They didn't play well against Tennessee. Uh, you know, uh, since they beat Philly, I guess it was Thanksgiving. They haven't looked very good at all. Dak looked awful yesterday. What is your confidence level as Dallas goes to, Tampa next Monday to open the postseason uh, against Tom Brady, who's seven and zero lifetime against the Cowboys. 
Well, I'm a big Brady guy, so I watch everything that he does. Um, and so I'm aware of, of the fact that, that he's still really good. Not quite what he was, but he's, he's still really good. But his surrounding cast isn't, isn't much. Uh, and for them to go from uh, Super Bowl champs to the talent level they have now is, uh, is, is quite remarkable. And I don't know what his future is. I can't see him hanging with a team that seems to be going downhill. However... Right. This Dallas team seems to be typical Dallas. Number one, they're not very well coached. They're coached great on defense. The head coach is, I hate to label him a buffoon, but uh, I think they're stumbling around because the man at the top, and you know I'm a Switzer guy versus Jimmy Johnson. Uh, But I I was thinking watching that game yesterday, a Jimmy Johnson coached Dallas team in that game yesterday would have put up 35 points in the first half and rested them afterwards because the guys would have been on point. Now, I'm not saying Coach Switzer couldn't have done it, but I think we're both – everyone listening knows that Jimmy had that ability of motivational by whatever means was necessary, and his guys would have played a half and done really well and gotten out. That was about as pitiful a performance as I've seen since I started watching the Dallas Cowboys back before Roger Staubach was there. And Dak Prescott, I I have said from day one, uh, love him, love the leadership, and think that he can can do a lot of really good things. But Super Bowl champ, I don't put next to to his name. So uh, I I don't see them going far. But I think Tampa Bay's worse. So I think Dallas at least advances. Uh, Temperament, personality, all of it. Dak is perfect. But I just don't trust him. I just don't. And. He throw, he's got 15 picks in the 12 games he's played in this year, Dean. 15, 15. Yeah. And what we saw yesterday, you don't have to be a real smart X and O guy to see him throw that quick out route that should have been picked off the first time and then was the very next play to, to, to know that that's, you know, that that's a Bush League ball. And for a guy of his income and his notoriety to, to do that just speaks volumes to – um, his upside. I just don't think it's Super Bowl worthy. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, real quick on the Thunder, we'll wrap this up with the Thunder. Uh, this to me, this season, uh, it, you know what? What I'm pleased to see too, Dean, with the, like if, if you watch every telecast, the lower bowl of the arena gets a little more full all the time, and the crowds yeah. are coming back, and which is a great relief to me that it wasn't just a Westbrook Durant NBA market. It's a true NBA market. And mm-hmm. uh, so, but this is the most enjoyable season to me with this young team since the 2016 season when they had war- the Warriors three games to one on the ropes and let them off uh, because the Westbrook triple-double season was fun. It was a sideshow. It was a great sideshow, but it was fun. But you knew that team wasn't going anywhere. The uh, experiments with uh, Paul George and and Carmelo and you know uh, for three years they were just kind of three uh, first round exits in the playoffs and and you knew those teams weren't really going anywhere. Then you had the Chris Paul season, which was the biggest uh, unexpected pleasure of a season of all time. Except you knew, except I felt like all along Chris Paul was a short timer, and he was kind of a one year loner kind of a guy. Right. So now and then the two gruesomely bad tank seasons and then now we've got this this refreshingly sensational fun young team with three cornerstone guys i think 
I mean, key, long-term keepers, SGA, Giddy, and Jalen Williams, the rookie out of Santa Clara, who I wouldn't trade for anybody in this draft. Uh, so, uh, I mean, how do you – I mean, I, I'm thinking 38 wins maybe. If they, if they go 500 the rest of the way, Dean, they finish at 38, which kind of doubles what everybody would have – what everybody seemed to expect in the preseason. But how are you – how are you enjoying this Thunder season and this collection of young kids? And I think their youth really serves them well. I think those fresh legs really help them in the fourth quarters of a lot of games. Well, I agree with virtually everything you said there. Um, I would say I'm a numbers guy. I, I, I mean, I don't throw cash down, but I'm certainly aware of the betting world. And we go back to uh, 1982 in Tulsa and then Bill Land in 85 in the sports scene. So there, that's well documented that that I play the percentages. I, I, I like I like looking at it from that vantage point. So I'm not getting caught up in the number of wins. I watched them play a brilliant game a few weeks ago and lose by one. Don't even remember the team. But I told all my buddies, I said, you know what? I, I didn't care. In fact, I kind of liked it because give me every percentage ping pong ball advantage that you can give me going into to the possibility of what they might be able to get this time out of it. So we'll see if that does anything. But in terms of what they have right now, Sam Presti is a 9.9 .9 out of a 10. Dagnalt is an NBA coach. He is. And the, the talent that they have around, they are, the, they are like a, a fundamentally sound college team. And they're, they're tons of fun to watch. I have talked to a couple of people in the know that say that I asked them about the giddy relationship, not having the ball as much as he would like with SGA. And they say that's probably one of the only concerns they have moving forward. Um, so I think this team, if, if Chet Holmgren is, doesn't turn into one of these big men with bad feet, that, that his career is going to be nothing. If he is what we think he could be, this Thunder's back in the playoffs. And don't forget, the guy that I called the 9.9 .9 out of 10, Brother Presty, has a bucket full of those picks in his back pocket. And if yep. he's as smart about, about turning those in for cash, meaning players, um, as he was in acquiring them, the Thunder is, is going to have a chance to be very, very successful. Um, yep. it, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really good story. And I've been to some of the games, and, and it is great to see uh, some of the people back there. Uh, it, it really is. Right. I got to admit, I, I never really thought that SGA would become a 30-point type guy. Uh, but yet here we are. I mean, he's very consistently – what what I see the stat, like 32 of his last 47 games, he scored 30. Uh, so he, he's, a, he's a very dependable scorer. But you talk about ball movement and ball usage or ball dominance like, like SGA is uh, – Without him, they scored 150 points against the Celtics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Bill, Bill, they don't have discipline problems. They don't have attitude problems. This right. Presti, this Presti machine is as thorough as any I have ever seen about going about acquiring good people. It sounds yeah. silly, but they get really good people who are pretty good players and then occasionally get an SGA. So uh, it's a really, it's a really great story and it would be fun for them to be able to, to bounce back next year into the playoffs and then see how far they can go based on what uh, Presti is able to, to do with those uh, picks in the back of his pocket. 
this uh, Bill Haston podcast can be heard on iTunes, Spotify, TulsaWorld.com. And I am so happy to have gotten uh, this time with Dean Blevins on short notice. So, Dean, I really appreciate it. I hope to, I hope I see you very soon. Hopefully at a Thunder game. Get a there snack. You go. Get a snack in the pregame and uh, go watch my man Jalen Williams. I think Jalen Williams is is as uh, impressively professional as any rookie I can ever remember. I mean, yeah. and yeah. both ends of the floor, man. This guy is is a. Uh, so I'm just saying, if, for anybody who hasn't really invested the time to go back and watch and learn the Thunder again, you might want to start now because Dean's right. They're they're Tulsa. Tulsa is my second home, so I all and I have such an affection for you. But uh, anytime, happy to be with you. I I, I kind of keep in touch with Tulsa as much as I do living here in Oklahoma City now. Um, but uh, love the Tulsans who are watching, and I know you have a bigger reach than that. But uh, anytime, Bill, you're a good hey, man. Hey, we'll, we'll do this again before the Live Golf guys come to town because I want to <laughs> talk about that. All right, I'll see okay. you guys. Thank you. Okay, pal, you bet.